everybody. Thanks for watching. And uh, please make sure that you subscribe to the channel and like this video. And uh, we hope that uh, you're going to actually learn a lot and then get involved. That's our hope that as you watch our different videos, that you would actually get involved and make an impact in your generation. We did a video on the ABCs or the basics of Bilderberg because a lot of people don't understand that. But we're going to now get into some of the nitty gritty of what's going on, the inner workings. And uh, so I'm here with my friend and guest and co-author, Mark Anderson, and he is a leading authority on the Bilderberg Group and a lot of the different secret societies that are out there that uh, you probably hear about the different names but don't really know what's going on, but that's because they're secret, you know? But we are informing you of what's really going on. Mark is a commentator and a journalist and uh, has over 34 years in the industry. So it's always great to have him on and, uh, and especially talking about the Bilderberg Group. They're the kind of like a chessboard where you see the king and the queen and the pawns and the knight and all of the bishop. And uh, so you can see it reaches into all the different realms, um, even with that, because they do reach into the realm of religion and, and you know, different realms of society, business, government, uh, education. They really reach all those realms, but it's almost like a chess, the Bilderberg Group is almost like a chess board where you have the king and the queen and everybody's visible, but you have the unseen hand behind it moving all the pieces. And, uh, and that's really what they're about, forging governments and uh, definitely anyone who is an elite in government and having secret meetings, forging uh, different agendas, we should know about and want, would want to know about. Anything that's birthed in secrecy is bad. And so, um, but it's great to have you here, Mark. So Great to be here. Yeah, anything that's birthed in secrecy is generally bad, especially when those conducting the secret uh, brainstorming sessions, deliberations, whatever you want to call it, are among the most powerful and well-connected people in the world. Yeah, exactly. And um, what I want to discuss today is to focus mostly on Bilderberg 2019, which was uh, held uh, May 30th through June 2nd, 2019. And that was in Montreux, Switzerland, on the shores of Lake Geneva in the western French-speaking area of Switzerland. I've been there twice, very beautiful. Uh, Smoke on the Water, the old rock song, is written by, about Montreux. We all went down to Montreux on the Lake Geneva shoreline. There was a fire there in a hotel one time, and this, the well-known rock song, Smoke on the Water, was written about that part of Switzerland. Just a little factino there. <laughs> but on a somewhat more serious note, the <clears throat> problem with Bilderberg, which I described in part one, is that about 10% of the attendees, there are about 130, 140 attendees each year. This year in Switzerland, there were 130 from 23 countries. 10% of those, maybe sometimes nine, maybe sometimes 11, but about 10% are journalists. Now, anyone that considers themselves a serious news company owner, editor, columnist, reporter in the journalistic enterprise right. is qualitatively different at a meeting where the rest of the attendees are such as uh, uh, Prince Willem of the Netherlands who took over for uh, Queen Beatrix, the Dutch royalty that goes to, to Bilderberg, or former head of the CIA, David Petraeus, who was there. Some people use his name rather than Petraeus, they say Betraeus. <laughs> Judge that as you will. Yeah. 
Uh, they, they, they go into the private sector and then they appear at Bilderberg. Sometimes they, they attend in their government function. But a journalist is among former or current CIA people, Sir John Sowers of the UK, who is a Bilderberg Steering Committee member and is a regular attendee. He's the former head of MI6, the top CIA-like, CIA-style intelligence. Right. <clears throat> so then you have central bankers like Mark Carney of the Bank of England, who was there this year. You have uh, an MP, Conservative Party of Britain, Tom Tugendhat, uh, who is a lieutenant colonel, Thomas George John Tugendhat, who's been awarded the Order of the British Empire. He was there. <clears throat> you have the man known as the force behind French President Macron. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, the current president of France, who's really been cracking down on the yellow vest, went to Bilderberg 2014, and call it a coincidence, soon he was the leader of France. Um, Bill Clinton attended Bilderberg, a quick, quick retrospective here, in Baden-Baden, Germany in 1991. He was governor of Arkansas then, a rather obscure one at that. Right. The following year, call it coincidence, he was president of the United States. Wow. So are the chess players kingmakers? We'll leave that question open for now. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving forward, so journalists, about 10% of the attendees this year, like in recent years, are also meeting with people like Jared Kushner, the senior advisor to the White House, who just left Bilderberg. He was there too. And Mike Pompeo, our current Secretary of State, who for a very short time was head of the CIA, met up with Kushner at Bilderberg this year. So... These and many others, the Minister of Finance, Bruno Le Maire, Le Maire of France, was there. The Mayor of Lisbon, Portugal, Fernando Medina, was there this year. <clears throat> a member of the European Parliament, Radislaw Sikorsky, who I crossed paths with uh, when he spoke to the Chicago Council on Global Affairs during the NATO summit in Chicago in 2012. I didn't meet him, but I heard him speak and was, you know, very close to him. And... Radislav Slikorsky, a member of the European Parliament. You have Mark Rutte, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. You have Estonia's Prime Minister, Yuri Ratas. You have Andrew Adonis, a member of the British House of Lords. You have Catherine Butenweg, an MP with the Green Party from Holland. You have Yuli Maurer, who I did meet in Switzerland in 2010, at that time, he was a defense counselor. Now he's the counselor of finance, and he's the current serving president of the Swiss, of Switzerland, the Swiss Federation. Um, when I met him, he was with the Swiss People's Party, a rather populist-leaning party. The Bilderbergers don't really like nationalists and populists. They're very internationalist or transnationalist. So when I met Yuli Maurer, he seemed like the kind of person that would never attend, and yet... They held it in his home country. Maybe he felt obliged, but he did attend. And I could keep going. Jose Manuel Barroso, the chairman of Goldman Sachs, former president of the European Commission. That's the executive of the entire EU. The EU, like the Bilderberg Group, helped form and massage that and helped bring that about. The head of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg. And Peter Thiel, the president of Thiel Capital, was originally connected with... Um, He's with the steering committee of Bilderberg, the organizational committee. He was involved in Facebook and PayPal in his earlier days. Okay. And I can explain some things. 
Uh, James H. Baker, Officer of Net Assessment for the Office of the Secretary of Defense, the U.S. government. This year was the largest contingent of U.S. government people in recent history to attend Oldenburg. Now, there could be some nuance to that, but my point is, and we'll get into that a little bit later, my point is, is that you're these journalists that are there, and that includes Washington Post and the New York Times. The, the New York Times reporter there this year, David E. Sanger, and he's the national security correspondent, one of the big writers for the uh -huh. New York Times. And then you have uh, John Mipplethwaite of Bloomberg, Zanny Minton Beddoes, that's a lady representing The Economist, uh, I, uh, several anchors and owners of, of uh, European stations. Uh, Martin Wolf, chief economics commentator of the Financial Times. So these are the journalists meeting with the people I just got done describing, and that's just a handful of the 130 invited this year, including the director of Danish Defense Intelligence, Lars Finzen. I could keep going. Yeah. All these people that I'm listing, other than the journalists, are not expected by the public to be the main disclosers of information in society to make democratic machine return. Right. However, journalists are. That's true. Now we have a big problem there. Journalists have a unique position that can't ever really be surrendered or subordinated if you're serious about what you're doing. But this 10% of these attendees who are journalists are surrendering their notebooks and their ethics and their public trust at the door, and they're colluding with this chessboard moving group that you described very ably, um, Jason, and they are agreeing ahead of time not to report on it. Now here's where the irony comes in. The New York Times and the Washington Post both published articles about this. Adam Taylor of the Washington Post uh, published an article, and the Washington Post published an additional article, and Adam Taylor's was on May 30th with the Washington Post. The New York Times ran its article on May 31st, written by Edward Wong. I wanna get the names and dates straight, darn it. Pardon for the uh, delay there, ladies and gentlemen. So Edward Wong, May 31, New York Times, Adam Taylor, Washington Post, May 30th, and then an additional Washington Post article uh, was ran, and it was written by Carol Morello, May 29th. So two Post articles, one New York Times article. What's wrong with this picture? Well, the New York Times had somebody on the inside, David Sanger, report or not reporting on this but agreeing not to report on it so the New York Times is committing a duplicitous act they're not telling the public they have somebody in there commingling with this group and they're reporting as if that's not happening and just doing a fairly detached and I might even say reasonably good report mm -hmm. considering the New York Times many malpractices in, in <laughs> uh, reporting yeah. but, but a reasonably good report but the duplicity is they already have somebody on the inside who's already surrendered his journalistic ethics and really put a mark on the name of the Times as if it needed more blemishes, yeah. but another blemish. So the Times is not telling the public it has someone on the inside and then reporting as if, as if it's a detached, disinterested, objective party. Right. Right. Very duplicitous. 
And the Washington Post, which published two reports as if they're an outside, objective, disinterested party, yeah. Megan McCardle, USA columnist, The Washington Post. So her and David E. Sanger are inside while The Post and Times report as if they're being simply impartial and right. not, not revealing not revealing explicitly that they have people on the inside yeah. already. Very duplicitous yeah. of the Post and Times to do that. Um, they should. There's two things that should happen. One of two things. They should not have people on the inside. Then they can be genuinely and honestly impartial without any duplicity or right. backroom dealings. Or they should be upfront about the fact that right in their reports, two from the Post, one from the Times, while we do have so-and-so on the inside, we can tell you this and we can tell you that and at least be upfront about it. Right. To find it out, the average person has to go to my blog, thetruthound.com, or other sites, um, or to the Bilderberg's uh, own website, the build, excuse me, BilderbergMeetings.org, that's BilderbergMeetings.org. It's very easy to find it. Click around and you'll find the list of current and past attendees. And if you spend a little time, you'll finally come to Megan McArdle's name for the Post and David Sanger's name for the for the New York Times. So this is this is the duplicity and this is the problem. Reporters are supposed to be a different breed. These people are behaving just like the bankers and lawyers and politicians and investment bankers and captains right. of industry and high tech people like Eric Schmidt, formerly of Google, formerly of Alphabet, now a consultant who's been. Uh, uh, colluding with Henry Kissinger, a longtime Rockefeller operative in the Nixon administration, and subsequently he's now with Kissinger and Associates, a very well-connected uh, outfit that he attends Bilderberg representing. So journalists are not supposed to behave like those people and do the same things in the same venues. They're supposed to stand askance to that and report on them. So this this not only casts a pall over journalism, particularly these outlets, the Times and the Post, it casts a pall over Bilderberg itself because Bilderberg should know better. Yeah. And so you run into a big ethical dilemma here. And the Chatham House rule that we described in the first part, I won't repeat it, the problem is, is if reporters are on the inside, the ones that are supposed to not surrender their ethics, that are supposed to be reporters, reporters, columnists, they're pretty much the same now, uh, and you have your anchors and your media owners. But if they're, if they're on the inside, and if the Chatham House rule is observed and you're not supposed to talk about who said what, and the reporters have already sworn not to do that, right? they're, they're not going to say who said what. And, and if the Chatham House rule is deceptive, which is they claim that attendees at Bilderberg are free to discuss generally what was said, but not reveal who said what, but, they, but in real life, they won't generally discuss what right. was said anyway. And if the reporters aren't saying anything because they're sworn not to, then that means that the, the conclusions and summations and uh, uh, consensus that does come out of Bilderberg to whatever degree is going to be implemented through the network. Bilderberg is the hub and other organizations that these attendees represent are the spokes. Right. These ideas will make their way into society without us knowing where they came from. Uh, the buyout of one company by another, yeah. the uh, privatization of tollways in the US, or privatization of freeways that become for-profit tollways owned by private conglomerates, which is happening in Texas, such as the Sintra company owning, yeah. owning uh, 
lanes of highways in, in Texas and yeah. charging big tolls yeah. for it. Like, like Fort Worth and charging $15, $15 to drive on what a five mile yeah. track of road. Right, a five mile artery, 15 bucks up in the Fort Worth area. I'm not conclusively connecting that to Bilderberg for today's discussion. Right. What I am saying is those are the kind of uh, business um, partnerships, projects, contracts, maybe big fat defense contracts, and uh, innumerable government reorganizations. Uh, the EU deciding to do all the budgetary work under one roof in Belgium, in Brussels, rather than letting each EU member state do its own budget and taxation right. policies. Across the board, all these things can be massaged and brainstormed at Bilderberg, and because of the Chatham House rule and reporters that are selling out, ladies and gentlemen, in the way I described, these ideas will come up, they'll be reported as if they're just miscellaneous random happenings, but in fact they're not random. Right. They came from a central hub, out through the different spokes, um, whose organizations are represented by the attendees, the right. banks, high-tech, media, um, investment banking, central banking, uh, law, and, and so on, uh, think tanks, academia, uh, contracts that go to academia, right. contracts that go to think tanks, uh, new fellowships, um, it, it's endless. And so the problem with uh, organizations like the Bilderberg Group that hold the annual Bilderberg conferences or Bilderberg meetings, the problem is this, is that that nefarious element, that moving of the chess pieces without knowing who's moving them or why. And even if one wants to argue that, oh, this sounds relatively harmless, you can let these people have their retreat, let them let their hair down, let them you know, sip their caviar and drink the most expensive wine in the world and have their fireside chats. But from the journalistic standpoint, in our troubled world, a very, very troubled world, the U.S. is at war 24-7. We don't even declare war as starting or ending anymore. We have, we're always at the risk of uh, economic deep recessions. Um, many, many people live in tents in our own world. We have a lot of homeless and starving people right. in our country. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, we, have a, we have a, a lot of insecurity and fear. Um, a lot of things aren't going well. And th if this organization is about correcting those things, if that's what Bilderberg is about, They've had their day in the sun, I argue. They've had their chance since 1954. Yeah. This year was their 67th meeting in 65 years in, in Switzerland. They've had their chance to repair these things. Right. So one cannot help but conclude that they're about in, inside dealing that's going to benefit the 1% of the 1% of the 1%, that's going to give the banks and those that are attending the best deals, uh, the zero interest loans, the no bid contracts. Yeah that it's all going to lead to the enrichment of the few, the plutocracy. Right. It's, a, it's almost like, uh, Mark, it's almost like a special interest group. It's always about their special interest, what they're interested in and what's going to make them wealthy. And yeah. what their agenda is about. So. Right. And then there's a secrecy behind that, so you don't know which direction they're going. And that's where the media plays a big part, because obviously we all know the media influences you know, influences the way people perceive things, people think, the information that's out there. And so if, the, if you have people in the media that are going, you know, that are able to either deflect or, or interject, 
information based upon where Bilderberg uh, and these meetings, secret meetings that Bilderberg is having, where they're decided on certain things, certain projects, certain direction from a global agenda that they have, then you can see where the media uh, can play a big part in that and influence that with its listeners. Right, and, and, and they're, they're going to discuss ideas and initiatives and plans and uh, all sorts of details and broad, broad uh, viewpoints that the origin of which is, is murky. And having followed Bilderberg myself for the better part of 10 years and worked with others that followed it longer in a loose-knit fashion, um, it's very clear that what they're pushing and what they're brainstorming and having intelligence briefings and, and um, powwows about is all of a particular kind of thinking. Yeah. It's not like there's a lot of Republicans here or Republican true blue. Good point, but that's an excellent point, Mark. Because... Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's an outright democratic democratic party thing. I don't mean right, that. Right. It's not. And, it's, and, it's, and if, if conservatives are there, like the conservative MP that I mentioned earlier from Britain, they're not conservatives, at least in terms of true blue conservatives, right. real ones. They're not conservatives in the American sense. Right. A, a UK conservative in the House of Commons is a different animal than a conservative American, be, right. he, be he Constitution yeah. Party or Republican Party, or maybe even some libertarians are more conservative right. than average libertarians. Because definitely they would be, it's even in America, the part of the establishment, yeah. it's just a snake with two heads. You know, so if you understand that, what Mark's saying is, it's like a snake with two heads. Um, you know, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party run by the same people. So it's a, it's a way of thinking. It's not necessarily uh, the values of conservatives that they would have so that they're pro-life. They think in a different way, and that's what Mark's laying out and describing here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, Their the, ideologies are different. The way they do things are different. Right, but here you have people that are invited who are very much cut from the same cloth. There's very little variation. Yeah. <clears throat> this is all very much a one-world, transatlantic, um, hyper-internationalist group. Yeah. <clears throat> so... To see, exactly. <clears throat> excuse me, to see Stacey Abrams there, the founder and chair of Fair Fight, she's the black politician and lawyer who lost the governor's race in 2018 and um, is considering running for the Democratic primary election to be nominated, nominated for president yeah. on the Democratic side in 2020. <clears throat> and she, she, of all people, in Trump's most recent State of the Union, was picked to give the rebuttal. Yeah. Now, this is a very, very interesting. a very radical, pro-abortion, hyper-liberal politician and attorney, Stacey yeah. Abrams. Yeah. If she's the kind of American politician invited to Bilderberg, that speaks volumes. Yeah. That speaks volumes. They'll bring in conservative party people from the UK, but you will not see constitutionalist, true blue, die-in-the-wool conservatives at Bilderberg. Now, someone might argue, now, come on, Mark. Uh, Lindsey Graham was at Bilderberg in Dresden, Germany in 2016, and he was at Bilderberg in, in Chantilly, Virginia in 2017. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton was in Bilderberg 2017 in Virginia. Those guys are conservatives. The answer to that is they're neoconservatives. Yeah. Uh, very, very um, uh, pro-war and very, very um, quick to ignore the Constitution and, and, and enter the U.S. into armed conflict 
and to spend inordinate amounts of money on defense and um, a number of things that run against the constitutional traditional grain of America, run against the uh, advice of George Washington, run against the advice of Thomas Jefferson. Right. Um, uh, very quick, very quick to export American democracy at the end of a barrel of a gun or the point of a bayonet. Um, uh, you know, they they want to enact sanctions against Iran without good evidence that Iran is really the leader uh, that we're told they are of terrorism in the world. When NATO itself overthrew uh, Gaddafi in Libya and destroyed much of the country, Libya has ceased to be a functioning nation based on NATO and Western policies that Bilderberg helps nurture. Wow. Um, NATO, uh, Libya has been reduced to tribal warfare and fighting over who's going to be the leader, really reduced to a sub-state existence. Uh, they're, they're basically a failed nation-state now, yeah. largely because of NATO, largely because of the West, largely because of the policies of those represented at Bilderberg. I'm not saying that's Bilderberg's policy formally, but those represented at Bilderberg did a lot to destroy Libya. Yeah. I, I could go on, but... So you see the involvement of who's involved in this and what the outcome of it, and we can learn that from things just like you described with Libya and as history stands. Right, and one of the things that no one wants to talk about, and then for a couple of minutes we'll get into some of the things that were reportedly actually talked about in Bilderberg this okay. year. One of the things that will interest you as a pastor is that the inclusive um, uh, LGBTQ, uh, we're all one big happy family, morality, morality should just step aside. Mm. That one world, global, inclusive, LGBTQ standpoint and viewpoint is, in, is hardwired into much of the Bilderberg roster, most if not all. Um, one example was the British official Alan Duncan that spoke a couple years ago to the Chicago Council on Global Affairs, one of the globalist groups in America, uh, spoke approvingly about inclusive global cities where, where cities would take on more foreign policy, would adopt the powers of the nation state, which is kind of an underbelly of the Bilderberg Network, the Global Cities Movement. Yeah. We'll get into that another time. Um, I write a lot about it on my blog, but that the, and, and as a goodwill thing, they brought the London Gay Men's Chorus to Chicago to perform. Wow. So, whereas the capitalists of yesteryear was, the American capitalist was the well-dressed, clean-cut guy that went to church on a Sunday, Worked hard for his business, maybe in the advertising industry, maybe yeah. maybe as a banker. Uh, brought home the bread, raised his family, went to church on Sunday. The modern capitalist, as represented by most of those who attend Bilderberg, is now a social, far-left, ultra-liberal. Wow. So capitalism and conservative, conservatism used to be synonymous. Now capitalism and conservatism have departed each other. By and large. There's exceptions, but by and large. Now... Ultra social liberalism and capitalism now meet on the same plane. And nationalism and conservatism have been driven apart. Constitutionalism and conservatism have, have been driven apart. Yeah. Therefore, when someone like Lindsey Graham or Tom Cotton shows up, you're not getting <clears throat> the traditional American conservative, right. you're getting the new conservative, which is what the prefix neo means. Neo, the new conservative. Yeah, gotcha. War, war is great no matter what. 
um, and so on and so forth. And so now what's been going on this year, um, it, it shows the fault lines and the fissures and the, the, the cracks and, and the different uh, um, ways of looking at that. One of the things that the, um, even the New York Times brought out in a couple different editions, <clears throat> here's one of the hard copy editions, Handle with Care. Um, President Trump plans to throw his full weight behind Benjamin Netanyahu's campaign to save his job as Prime Minister of Israel. Right before Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law and chief advisor, went to Bilderberg, in fact, Thursday, May 30th, right as Bilderberg was starting, evidently Kushner was not in Switzerland right away. Right before that, he was in Jerusalem to discuss the two-state plan that has been on again, off again, mainly in Israel, between the Palestinians and, and Israel. And now, right before Bilderberg, the Times raised the issue that now with Netanyahu in political trouble due to some scandal and due to not being able to form a coalition yeah. in their parliamentary style government, yeah. <clears throat> now Kushner is under pressure in some circles to make everything very weighted toward Israel so as not to alienate Netanyahu so his political fortunes will be maintained and therefore Palestine would, would get the raw end of the deal and would get a two-state offer that they won't agree to. But then the speculation since um, uh, Kushner went to Bilderberg, this was before beforehand, he is now leaving Bilderberg and he is going back to try and continue the negotiations for the two-state solution. Hmm. Now, Trump, meanwhile, has already met with the Prime Minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, mm -hmm. who is an attendee of past trilateral commission meetings, okay. which is all about free trade, yeah. the Trans-Pacific Partnership, probably trying to get Trump to go back into the TPP, yeah. Trans-Pacific Partnership, that he departed from right after he became president right. in 2017. So you have the chess pieces beginning to move. Yeah. And, and I'm, not, I'm not being partial or impartial, I'm being impartial, not partial toward any one nation, right. no, uh, no, not toward any interest that I'm discussing. So the, the thinking is, according to the Times, is that Mike Pompeo stopped in because the U.S. and Iran, Iran being accused of being a, one of the great state sponsors of terrorism, I'm not so sure they are, but let, let's say for a minute that's true. Pompeo stops while Kushner is already arriving at Bilderberg, and the, the thinking is, according to the Times, that Pompeo is going to be grilled in a brainstorming session. He probably gave a... Uh, presentation on the U.S. position with regards to Iran while while the U.S. has war assets, naval destroyers and uh, uh, aircraft, aircraft carriers and whatnot um, in the waters near Iran. So that's happening. That's been going on for a while. Kushner comes back from Israel. He's trying to figure out how to balance the two-state solution with keeping Netanyahu in, in his job. Um, Netanyahu has gained some uh, unpopularity. Not all Jews agree with the aggressive attacks against Gaza. There's, you know, it's 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 a fight. It's a two-way thing, but it's complicated. So there, there, this is going on, and so um, um, Kushner comes out of Jerusalem, comes to Bilderberg. He's got that hanging over his shoulders. Um, 
Pompeo's trying to figure out what's going on, what, how to handle Iran. But here's the thing, it's, uh, it's thought that most of the Bilderberg group supports the Iran nuclear deal and that uh, Pompeo and Trump's uh, presidency, the Trump White House is more skeptical of it. And people can have their opinion, the pros and cons about the nuclear deal. That's not my purpose here today. Yeah. But it's thought that Bilderberg probably had a pretty heated discussion probably trying to convince or, or uh, persuade um, Pompeo to have a softer line on the Iran nuclear deal. Now, President Trump, going into Bilderberg and coming out of it, both, has adopted a somewhat softer stance and now has began, began to say, well, maybe we can renegotiate. Hmm. Now, that's, I'm not saying he was influenced by Bilderberg. Right, sure, yeah. Because, because he was already saying before the meeting that maybe we can... Um, renegotiate, but at the very least, President Trump, with the show of naval forces, wants to negotiate from a show of strength. A lot of people might find that agreeable. Mm -hmm. Reaganites, Reagan Republicans might find that agreeable. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then Bilderberg wanting the Iran nuclear deal to stay in place and probably advising that they tone down the standoff, tone down the possible confrontation, and try and give the nuclear deal, which was negotiated in Switzerland by John Kerry during the Obama administration, I believe in the city of Lausanne, Switzerland, in 2016, if memory serves. Maybe it was 2015, but it was before. It was around that time. Yeah, it was around that time. So this was apparently some of the debate and discussion and possibly even heated debate Bilderberg wanting the, the Iran nuclear deal to stand and the military standoff to mellow out. Uh, the, the Trump administration probably taking a somewhat harder line, wanting to negotiate from a position of strength. Therefore, they want the naval forces there. Therefore, um, they want to uh, renegotiate the nuclear deal from a position of strength. And then... Um, it's a little bit less clear on if Bilderberg, besides chiming in on Iran, if they, if uh, Kushner was there maybe to get input on the two-state solution on Israel and Palestine. We don't know because those topics, uh, Israel and Palestine and Iran, were not on the official Bilderberg agenda this year, but Saudi Arabia and Iran were on the Bilderberg agenda last year when they met in Turin, Italy for 2018. Um, the um, Bilderberg agenda this year, the, uh, the topics were a stable strategic order, what next for Europe, climate change and sustainability, China, Russia, so the China tariffs were almost certainly, my sources tell me China tariffs yeah. were a big point of contention or discussion. Sure. Be logical too. Yeah, the future of capitalism because they're always reworking the economy, hence the presence of the bankers. Russia constantly accused of meddling in our elections. Right. Strategic standoffs with NATO. Brexit, which almost universally members of the Bilderberg Conference do not agree with. They want the EU that they started back in the 1950s. They want the EU to uh, grow and maintain uh, the UK as a member. Mm -hmm. The ethics of artificial intelligence, uh, the weaponization of social media, uh, Eric Schmidt, formerly of Google, who's been at uh, Bilderberg's uh, the last several years, 
is big in uh, wanting to keep ramping up uh, social media centralization, and he is thought to have been involved in the current movement to deplatform conservative media and alternative media in Facebook. Right. And, which we're seeing. Which YouTube, we're seeing. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. The yeah. importance of space, um, that one's kind of an open book, and cyber threats, which, interestingly enough, was mentioned, and here's another little segue. Last year in Italy, 2018, the former Denver mayor and Colorado governor, John Hickenlooper, attended Bilderberg, and um, in those curious connections I made earlier, uh, Bill Clinton being Bilderberg 1991, becoming president the following year, Macron attending Bilderberg in 2014, soon became the head of France. Now Hickenlooper attends last year, and he, since attending, threw his hat in the ring for the Democratic nomination, just as Stacey Abrams is considering. Mm -hmm. Notice they're all very liberal Democrats. Right, very liberal, yes. Right. Um, so former, former uh, Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper and, and um, cyber security and related matters have been on the Bilderberg agenda, not just this year, but past years. Mm -hmm. He comes out and makes his main topic, speaking in Chicago, May 20th, um, the need for a new cyber czar. He, if, if elected, John Hickenlooper would oh. appoint a special government office to head cybersecurity. Wow. Now I'm not saying it's a good or a bad idea. I'm sure. not taking yeah. sides there. Yeah. But it has an awful lot in common with Bilderberg's deliberations over the last three to five years. Yeah. And him attending last year. Um, and that was confirmed photographically by some of my own photographers. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this, just on a side note, not regarding Bilderberg, but uh, Hillary Clinton is one of their keynote speakers for Cyber Defense Summit 2019. That's going to be happening later this year in the fall, like around October. No, no, that's very instructive because Hillary Clinton has given many a speech to the Council on Foreign Relations and other groups uh, connected to the Bilderberg Hub. The main representative of the, of the CFR in recent years is Robert Rubin, a former um, Clinton official right. who was also uh, in the, the banking and financial realm. Yeah, wow, interesting. My response to that was, just on a side note, kind of numerous, is I said, this is like asking Leatherface to speak at a victim, Victims Against Violence conference funded by the Chainsaw Association. But anyway, yeah. that was my analogy of uh, Hillary Clinton speaking, you know. Yeah, we're just going to talk about how to get rid of your emails. But anyway, I don't know how to bleach your computers and destroy your cell phones. Yeah, right? it's interesting. <laughs> I, I can't resist that one. It's interesting how someone that kept classified information on a private server and where the real problem was not who hacked the emails <laughs> in the DNC and her yeah. private server, but what was in the emails, That's the actual content, yeah. which includes allegations of gun running from Libya that NATO destroyed and running the guns to Syria to right. help ISIS. Right. It's funny that a woman like that would talk about cybersecurity. Now, the audacity with her is never-ending. Yeah, never-ending. Yeah. Yeah, the devil's going to have a barbecue, and you're invited. His pitchfork will poke the brisket, you know. So, so John Hickenlooper, back to him as, as we wind up, uh, comes out of Bilderberg, and in, in an article I, I have posted, Globalism 101, Bilderberg graduate eagerly tells the Chicago Council or Chicago One Worlders about his newfound foreign policy. Yeah. 
This, I believe, is an example of ideas massaged at Bilderberg. You can't tell where it originally or ultimately came from, but the ideas tend to move along the lines of someone who attended and look what we have. Yeah. All of a sudden, John Hickenlooper wants to be president and all of a sudden cybersecurity is the big issue. Yeah. Wow. Coincidental? Yeah. You be the judge. It's almost like part of the agenda though because of the attack that's been on President Trump regarding, you know, and, and, and as the truth. Oh, it absolutely is. investigation, but you see where there is an intersecting it's almost like there's an intersection there. It, it relates. Yes, uh, and, and Texas listeners, especially South Texas, we're filming in McAllen today, will be interested in this. And while Hickenlooper's most salient point was that the U.S. needs cyber walls to protect its vulnerable, computer-intensive transit, communications, defense, financial, energy systems, he contrasted that with President Trump's efforts toward creating an effective border wall in an arguably unfair manner. Hickenlooper went on to say, Trump obsesses about border walls. Meanwhile, however, Hickenlooper avoided the more objective view of seeing both kinds of walls as important, border walls and cyber walls, especially with up to 1,600 people a day, that's just in the Rio Grande Valley alone, you're looking at upwards of 70, 80, 90,000 a month, yeah. and that's just the ones who are caught, many with right. unknown backgrounds, exactly. being apprehended at the southern border, largely in Texas. So while Mr. Hickenlooper, Bilderberg 2018, the graduating class, you might say, of 2018, <laughs> is arguing for the same cyber threats and uh, or arguing for the same cyber security and talking about cyber threats that Bilderberg has discussed, he's using it as a bludgeon against the sitting president, Donald Trump. And this leads me to believe, <coughs> along with the debate and cantankerous discussion that no doubt happened in Switzerland about the Iran nuclear deal, about the Israeli two-state solution, will that stand or not, U.S. forces in, 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 uh, in, in, in or near Iran, near Iranian, uh, uh, near the border, near, near the Iranian coast, all that stuff that, went, that no doubt went, went on at Bilderberg uh, with discussions with Pompeo and Kushner, but my working theory, and I'm using the word theory, I'm making that clear, is that even though it's invitation only, I do believe that Kushner was, you might say, suggested to be invited because Trump had uh, Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, and <clears throat> at that time in 2017, H.R. McMaster, a National Security Chief, at Bilderberg in Virginia. <clears throat> and then last year in Italy, there, there wasn't much of a U.S. government presence, very little. This year in Switzerland, probably the biggest U.S. government presence uh, uh, of all time, Kushner, Pompeo, four or five people out of the Pentagon, and, and uh, a couple others. Okay. Wow. Um, but my thinking is, is that with people like Hickenlooper having been there last year and saying things like that this year, running for president, and now Stacey Abrams there at Bilderberg, thinking about running for president, the first one uh, who, who replied or rebutted Trump's last, most recent State of the Union, right. my thinking is, is that President Trump probably made sure to get somebody there because in part he wants to keep an eye on what Bilderberg's doing. Now he might be, yeah. he, he or his, he would be wise to, absolutely. He'd be wise to. Now, he or his people might be unduly or um, disproportionately influenced by Bilderberg, and I think that'd be largely a negative thing. Mm -hmm. We're all vulnerable to the machinations of power politics. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm not making excuses for President Trump, but I believe given that what's been happening in the last two or three years since Trump's been president, he would have a reason to want to make sure he had people there, precisely because it's so secretive, to make sure that he knows what these globalists at Bilderberg are thinking, that Jared Kushner knows what they're thinking, may not agree with them about Iran, may not agree with them about the Israeli-Palestine thing, a number of other issues like the ones I listed for this year's official topics. Yeah. But you still need to know That's right. what, Bilder, what Bilderberg's about, what they're discussing this year. Um, but there's one thing I'll add as we wind up today, is that there is, in my opinion, an inherent problem with having Pompeo, who's a former Kansas um, Congress member, he was with the CIA for a while now, he's Secretary of State, of having Pompeo discuss sensitive matters, especially regarding Iran, behind closed doors with bankers and lawyers and politicians and high techies and academics and current and former intelligence from foreign countries yeah. who maybe should not be privy to that information. Right. And I would, to be objective and impartial, I'm not wearing rose-colored glasses, I think the President, President Trump, and his administration may be blundered there. Maybe they should have thought a little more about who's hearing this, therefore should Pompeo have been there? Okay, they're, keep, they're maybe keeping tabs on Bilderberg, and, and that would be a wise thing to do, but should Mike Pompeo, and how much of this was his choice, how much did President Trump chime in on Pompeo deciding right. to go there? I understand it was kind of short notice, yeah. but should Mike Pompeo discuss sensitive matters regarding U.S. defense policy and sanctions and the nuclear agreement with Iran, should he be discussing that with the, the roster of Bilderberg participants, which we've described, and should those participants be privy to maybe what is U.S. policy that yeah. should be kept close to the chest? Yeah, true. The reporters that are there with it, within Bilderberg's closed walls, and the meetings are, the, the hotel's totally sealed off, yeah. and the whole place is surrounded by armed security and public police, um, fully armed. Yeah. If you tried to storm it, you'd be shot dead. That's how secretive these meetings yeah. are. Should Pompeo be discussing that, that policy with, with that motley crew, you might say? I argue, upon reflection, the answer is probably no. Yeah. Because they might disclose things to their home governments and their press that the U.S. government maybe shouldn't disclose. When it comes to military, all reporters have recognized that there are certain aspects, especially during periods of high tension or during warfare, an actual all-out war, that information sometimes has to be privy or secretive for a while. Right. I'm not saying it's always good. I'm not saying it's always bad. It's just a fact. Yeah. But I just don't know if Pompeo, in, in government parlance, according to the way government is con conducted now, like it or not, yeah. should be discussing policy toward Iran with this group. I think those are eyes and ears that maybe shouldn't be seeing and hearing that. Right. So, yeah, no. I so Bilderberg is this kind of yeah. leaky thing. For yeah. all their secrecy, now things that Pompeo's talking about might be leaked that yeah. shouldn't be leaked. Yeah. And so, so Bilderberg is this one-of-a-kind animal, ladies and gentlemen, and I think that that probably is sufficient. I could go on literally for hours about this. Um, I'll announce that I am compiling a book called The Bilderberg Digest, and it's going to describe the network, 
uh, especially those in the last five years or so, the key people, the key topics, some of my news reports from past years that provide context. It's going to be not just reports on recent meetings, but a reference book you can pick up again and again and again yeah. to recall who met one year, what that's awesome. Who, who met whichever yeah. year, what did they discuss in a given year, um, and put it in context, put it in history, give the current, give give a lot of the current news, and it'll it'll uh, pick up where other books left off. So yeah. that's, that's awesome. I'm working on that right now. That's awesome. The Bilderberg Digest. Look for it probably the. This fall or around Christmas time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mark. Sure. I mean, that's probably uh, so much information right there. And you might say, well, it's a lot, of, a lot of information to digest. Well, just continue to watch the videos. And as we come out with different things to expose, you know, that's one of our prayers. Uh, you know, as, as Mark mentioned, as I may have mentioned, I'm a pastor. And so one of our daily things that we pray about and continue to pray about is that everything that is wicked, every plan, wicked plan of man, of the enemy, is exposed and brought to naught. And so that's why it would concern anyone. Uh, it doesn't matter what side of viewpoint you have, that if things are being done in secrecy, that are going to affect your life. Even like with Pompeo going there, it brings a perspective of, and these others, why are they going there? Why do you have people in military and different areas of leadership of government in these types of meetings that are secret and what are they discussing that would pertain to us as a nation and you know that we don't know what is going on but they definitely have an agenda you could see that you know that it's very obvious that they have a global agenda and everything we can see is pushing to a one world government and so it's our job as believers we are the Christians Believers, full of the Holy Ghost, are the only restraining force on the earth today. So we need to play our part and do what God has called us to do. Right, I would just state that no matter what your beliefs are on Bilderberg or related matters, and no matter where you are in how much you know about it, like Jason said, secrecy is very rarely a good thing. It's almost always a bad thing. Right. And no matter if you think these guys are, are just partying, and they just have geisha girls and, and caviar and the fine wine, wine, women, and song, or you think it's totally the other way, very nefarious, very underhanded, somewhere in between, no matter what you think, we have a right to know when our tax-funded leaders or their lieutenants and their deputies go overseas to meet with other leaders and government officials and people from private industry and bankers and whatnot, and not knowing what's discussed, we have a right to know so we can make a decision, so we can make the call, the judgment on whether this is totally a good, a bad thing, or somewhere in between. Right. Absolutely. I just bring this to you for your consideration. So awesome. there you go. Well, thank you again, Mark. And so thanks for watching. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to our channel and uh, like this video, and we'll see you next time. God bless. We love you, and God loves you. Thank you. Thank you.